So today again, I want to talk about faith. And I wanted to say there's a lot of things I have to unpack in this message. It's not just a simple message. There's a lot of things I have to unpack to understand faith. So I have to go through a process. And I have to go through that process in order to teach. And a lot of times it's going to sound redundant. You'll say, why is he reading the same scripture? Why is he going over the same scripture? Uh, why does he keep saying those things? I, I've heard that before. Well, I thought this morning, if you've heard it before, you have to remember this. It's more than hearing something. It's applying that which is heard. So if you're not applying it, then you need to hear it. I'm sure the doctor here gets tired of people t telling them what they need to do. He'll tell them they'll hear it, but they won't do it. Am I right? I was one of those at one time. I'm not that way anymore. I mean, you, if you tell you there's a reason you're telling them that, it's for their benefit, not their detriment. Correct? So when we hear something, we have to apply that something in order for it to go forward. Why? 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 Because of faith. Because of faith. And here's the reason why. Because he did not save us from the world. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. He did not save us from the world. He saved us, he saved us for the world. He saved us to reach that was, which is lost. He saved us in order to bring about this, the de demonstration of the kingdom of God. So that mankind can see that God dwells with man. That God is still an authority in our lives. It's called the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's original intention for mankind on the planet earth. That's the kingdom. You say, well, we're the kingdom. No, you're not the kingdom. You're, 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 you're the church. And you've been called to demonstrate the kingdom. We are the ones that have to bring about the kingdom of God by, by definition, by communication, by the love that we have. There's so many things that we need, like this community. You know, we're losing a generation of young people. I told some people yesterday, I was thinking, you know, in order, I, I, I want to reach young people. And I may, even, I may even convert our buildings here to some gymnasium where I can reach and start leagues for young people where I can reach them with a Christian overtone show them what it's like to be a Christian because those because when I was a kid let me tell you ball was everything to me and so that's why I said we have to be wise as a serpent as gentle as a dove we've got to learn what does it take to reach our world and we are losing a generation and if you don't believe it look around we're losing them but we need to Understand that he's called us not out of the world, but in the world. Jesus, in his prayer in John 17, said, I pray not, Father, that you take them out of the world, but I ask that you keep them. So I want to give you a promise before I ever get into to the message of faith today. This is for you, coming from the Message Bible. Amos 9, 13. This is for you today, and you need to hear it, and it's going to take faith to apply this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. This is God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of another. You won't be able to keep up. 
Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings, blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. you got to hear that verse. You can read that in the King James, King Jimmy. You can read it in the ESV. You can read it however you want to. It says the same thing. He said he's going to bless me so much my head's going to swim. Well, buddy, if he's going to do that, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Come on with it. How many people could deal with a little head swimming right now? I don't know about you, but I could. So that's a, that's a verse for you today, Amos 9, 13, to hold on to it through this week, for the next three weeks. This is my word. God's going to bring it to pass. You see, faith is a ladder. Everybody say a ladder. Faith is, have you ever gotten, uh, in our kitchen, we've got some cabinets that are so tall. And, you know, I'm six foot five, but I can't reach. I can't reach some of those top cabinets. My wife thinks she can because she jumps up on the cabinets and stands. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not going to do that. We've got to get on a ladder and climb up there to reach those things that I could not reach unless I got on a ladder. And this is something the Lord showed me yesterday, that a ladder, faith is a ladder that takes you from one level, one dimension, one understanding, one revelation to another. And without that ladder, you're going to stay at the same level the rest of your life. Faith is going to take you from one place to another, from one height, Brother Jeff, to another height. That's why we're doing what we're going to do with the children, because it's going to take some faith to reach this generation, and we need those ladders. How many people need, know we need a ladder ministry here? We need a ladder ministry that we can reach to new heights and new levels and reach those things that up until this time, it's been un, untouchable, unreachable. But I believe through faith being the ladder, we can reach those things that we've not been able. We know it's there. Am I right? We can see it. You can get a stick and open the door, but you can't get it without faith. Everybody say, faith makes a way. Something my wife read me last night late. It says, fear hates faith. Fear hates faith. Everybody say, fear hates faith. Fear hates faith because fear brings bondage and faith brings freedom. See, faith will bring freedom to you, where fear and doubt will bring bondage to you. It'll lock you up, tie you up. That's why Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he said, "For here's those verses that you're going to hear over and over again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Why are you not ashamed, Paul? For it's the power. It's power. It's power. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek. That takes us all in. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, the just has an opportunity or they, maybe they can do it. No, the just shall live by faith. So let me give you something that you can hang your faith on. Where you can believe beyond your sight. Because faith requires you seeing beyond your sight. You keep saying, I want revelation. 
And I've told you this before, I believe. But in order to have a revelation, you've got to have a revolution. And by revolution, I'm talking about a complete turn in order to accept what God is saying. Faith is a revelation. We've heard about it, and I'll show you here later on. And just hearing about it does nothing for you at all. Why is faith so important? Why is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul. Well, you don't understand, church. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. He said, that's what Paul is saying to us today. Because it's the power of God. The good news is the power of the living God. And I want you to mark it down. There is a uniqueness in, found in the Word of God. What do you mean? A uniqueness. I call it packets of power. It's more than just a mixture of letters coming together to cause a word. It's literally packets of power. When God said, let there be light, it's more than just L-E-T. It's power. When he speaks it, it happens. The word of God is power, strength, the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. It is great news. It is good news. And then I said last week, it's more than just a salvation experience. Well, I'm saved now. I've got faith. That's not quite true. Salvation encompasses all of God's promises, which we can only access by faith. The only way you're going to get it is by faith. Faith in what? His Word. It is faith. It is prosperity. It is healing. All those things in salvation that's brought by faith. It's found, in the, it's found in salvation. It's found because of faith. So when Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God. Paul is telling you something. He said, I want to show you where the real power is. The real power is in his word. Now, that doesn't mean it's, it's just written a few words. You read a book and you say the book has power. The book has no power. It's what the book is saying. And the way it comes back alive is when you speak it again. It doesn't live until you speak it again. That's when it comes alive. Are y'all catching that? And not me waving the book at the devil. The devil would care less if you wave a book at him. It's just a book. But when you say, it is written, things change. When you start speaking the word to your situation it brings those things that are dead back to life. It causes you to see those things you've not seen before. It's help, there's a, let me say this. You, it's going to take faith to face some of the things you are facing even now. Some of you are going through some difficult times. And some of you, have, you're wondering, what in the world has happened? What's going on? I'm having such a terrible time. I'm trying to give to the Lord. I'm trying to be a part. And yet it's getting more and more difficult. Hear me. It's going to because the enemy of your soul wants to break you down and keep you from faith, get you walking in fear and doubt so you'll leave the umbrella of the Holy Spirit. Am I right or wrong? Y'all already know this. That's why Paul is saying, hey, y'all have got to wake up. Church, it's the power of God, not the book, but when you say it, it comes alive. How many believe in here today that the Word of God is the power of God? Do you believe it? It's being spoken. It's being recorded. It's what God is doing. 
it is God's power. I want to back up that statement that God's power is in the Word in Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. That God's power is in the Word. God's power is in the Word. Hebrews 1, 2, and 3 in the King James Version. He hath in, now this is a verse we could preach. Lynn Howes would love to preach this one. He hath in these last days, y'all know when Hebrews was written several thousand years ago, that the writer here says, hath in these last days, he called that time the last days. Well, what last days is he talking about? He's talking about the last days of the old covenant. That's what he was talking about. He didn't make a mistake. He said, boy, the last days has lasted for 2,000 years. No, he was talking about the old covenant. It was about to, it was about to be dismissed totally. Hath in these last days spoken to us, how? By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the express, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power, by the word of his power. Upholding how many things? All things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's proven the point. The word of God is the power of God. It is him. It is all about him. Things are upheld by the word of his power. His power is in his word, and we look at it. We look at it. We're going to look at it in different ways as we go along in this teaching. We're going to look at it until we get it grafted within us. How many people know it's not how many times you hear it, it's how much you take of it. It's how much you say, I can do this. I can walk in it. And let me tell you why I know it's true, because as much as I know the Scriptures, there's times I have to remind myself. As much as I know it, Gerald, I still have to say, wait a minute, Alan. Remember what God said? Are we going to have faith? Are we going to believe? Are we going to doubt? I have never doubted that God called me to this, to this property, to this place where I built this church in 1984. Never one time questioned it. I never one time questioned it when we'd run three services on Sunday and it'd be full all three services. Never questioned it. I didn't question it when I went and preached to crowds of 10 and 15 people either. Never questioned him. I never questioned when there was 10,000 in front of me. I never questioned it. What are you saying, Bishop? I didn't care where I was or who I was talking to. I didn't question him <clears throat> because there was a reason I was there, Gerald. One night I was speaking in, in, in Baton Rouge. And I, I'm, I, there wasn't that many people there, I don't think. I can't remember. Steve, you were there. And, but on the front row, that, that's when the little boy was healed that couldn't walk. He could not walk. And I said, put him on the floor and let, tell him to run across the room. Well, I didn't know he couldn't walk. They put him down on the floor and he ran across the room. And everybody's screaming, parents. And I'm like, well, what's, what's the deal? He couldn't walk. Until, but I ministered that night, and there was a fellow sitting there that was a boxing, he was a champion, I can't remember if it's middle heavyweight, I, I used to know his name, but God touched him that night, a major boxer, so it didn't matter how many people are there, I reached that soul, and that one boy was healed, so I don't question God, faith does not question God, you say, God, here am I, send me. Hear my God, use me. So, 
The gospel is what we call good news. You've heard me say this before. It's the power of God unto salvation. It means all the things I mentioned. Deliverance, perseverance, healing, soundness, prosperity, peace, and everything else. That's how powerful salvation is. But anybody, that means anybody sitting next to you, that takes the word of God and beats people over the head with the words of God, they're wrong. Because what they've done, they've taken a truth and you sometimes think you're superior because you've got a little truth in you. And I know some people like that. Trust me when I tell you. It doesn't, just because you think you're superior, doesn't give you a right to crush people with your great knowledge. That's not what God want, wants, and that's not why he called it the good news. I had someone tell me one time, I was asking, why didn't they come to me for prayer? Why didn't they come to me for a request when they came through the line or whatever at that time? And they said, I was afraid that you would say to me, where is your faith? But see, God didn't call me to question people, where is their faith, and belittle them. He called me to tell them how to gain more faith, how to make it, how to live. Amen? That's the God I serve. He doesn't want me to tell you how bad you are. He wants to tell me how good you can be. He doesn't want me to tell you you're going to die and go to a devil's hell and burn forever. He wants me to tell you there's a place called heaven. See, that's what I've been called to do. And you'll never reach people telling them how bad they are. Like I told you last week, I had a guy I saw on his T-shirt. He said, I'm going to hell to be with the rest of my friends. So you can't reach people like that. Then you had another one. He had tattooed on his arm, born to raise hell. Well, how do you reach people like that? My job. Everybody say my job. Our job is to put, it's not to put people down, it's to bring people up and get them to understand the power of the Word of God. That's called faith. You start, you're a faith builder, not a hope crusher, a faith builder. I want it to be a faith builder. There's so many people you can reach that I can't reach. I can name anybody's name in here. There are people you can speak to that I cannot speak to them. They won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. But you have to remember, instead of beating them over the head, what did I tell you about Proverbs? He said, in the sweetness, in the sweetness of lips, you increase learn, learning. That means how you say something is very, very important. So God's power is where? Let's do a little rehear, uh, rehearsal. God's power is contained in His, His good, good news. In His Word, in His good news. He never, ever said that the gospel was anything other than good news. But it amazes me how we can take a good news and turn it into a good word and turn it into a bad word. I've watched people do it. I've watched the minister. I heard a pastor preaching. I'm not trying to get down on these ministries, but I am a bishop, and I do. I am involved with several thousand pastors. And I heard him preaching. I want, I want to say, sir, you're, you're, he said, I tell you one thing. I will never marry a white man, a white person to a black person. That was his sermon. I'm thinking that you're going to waste pulpit time saying something so ignorant. 
I can go on with that. That really offended me because now he's using the name of the Lord. And God's saying, hold it. All people are my people. You can't do that. I mean, you may have your personal preference, but God don't, he ain't like you. God does what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. And he, here's something that's going to shock you, Damon. He loves every one of you the same. Every one of you. But they, watch this. They'll take a scripture like this. They turn the word around. In 2 Corinthians 1, uh, no, 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 7. This is Paul. He said, for though I, for though I would desire to glory, he said, I, I can speak of greatness, but I won't be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear. I'm not going to tell you what I really am all about. Lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or that he hears me. I don't want you to think of me more higher than, higher than I should be. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Touch your ears and say, let me hear. Paul was asking God to deliver him from this thorn of flesh. And many have differing opinions what that thorn was. Some believe it was a physical ailment. And that he's asking for healing. But God's reply is very succinct. He said, my grace, if you read on, my grace is sufficient for you. But I've heard people take this verse with their tradition outside of faith and say God would not heal Paul. Now, I'm going to just bust that little bubble for you. It's not God's will. Based on that, it's not God's will to heal everyone. Let me say this. It's God's will for everyone to be healed, saved, delivered, walk in prosperity and peace. Everybody. Don't you qualify that and say, he's better than this person or she's better than that. No, no. Every one of us have a right. They'll say it's not God's will to heal everyone. But see, I don't see this in the text here. Because God said, Paul, I'm going to give you something. It's called grace. What is grace? His enabling power. God's grace is, watch this, is the willingness to be involved in a certain dimension. It's His grace. Willingness to be involved in another dimension in, in Paul's life. I want to read to you in the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work for me. God, at this point, you've got to see it, Randy. God got Paul's attention three times. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. What does he say? He's saying, Paul, you keep asking me to do something. Now watch this. That I've given you my grace. So that which you've asked me to do, I've given you the power to do it for yourself. Are y'all catching that? That's what he's saying. I have given you my enabling power so that you can deal with all these negatives that are coming against you. So when I go through pain, I go there, I say, oh, God, heal me. He says, you got the power, speak it. You got the power, do it. 
I shall live and not die. I shall go forward. Someone said, I'm too old to do this job. No, I'm not, I'm not old enough yet. We're going to keep going. Why? Because I am convinced, Lynn, I am convinced that God has called us here. I'm convinced that the people that are sitting here today, and some of them may be sicking out, and I'm not saying that, but those that have been called here, they have been called here for a purpose. And you will see it one day. You'll say, Bishop, thank God we held on. Thank God we didn't give up. Thank God we saw beyond the mist and saw what God could do. He said, Paul, all you got to do is depend on my grace, the enabling power. But how many times do you have to tell Paul, which is a, a prolific writer, he wrote more than anyone else in the New Testament, how many times do you have to tell him before he caught it? Three times. You say, well, I'd have caught it on a lot quicker. Uh, I've been preaching here for, in this building since 1984, and there's a lot of people who hadn't caught it yet. Bishop, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I'm going to tell you what you do. You stand in faith. Well, see, I didn't want you to hear me, so I didn't want you to hear that. But uh, did you listen to the messages? I've heard you say it so much time, Bishop, I'm numb to it. That's the problem. You're numb to it. I'm never numb to faith. What is he saying? Paul, I'm not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. You have to learn to act for yourself. That's what faith is all about. Following his word. He said you have to learn to resist the devil. The thorn in your flesh. You have to learn to resist the devil. Resist him. And what the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Learn how to get rid of Paul, how to get rid of the thorn in the flesh. You're going to have to deal with it. Now, why was it important for Paul to see that? So that he could teach Floyd that. Or he teach Randy that. He could teach Namota that. He could teach Jimmy that. He's saying, so I can teach others how to get rid of their thorns. He said, well, I don't have none. Well, you look like you're all stuck up with something. <laughs> you need to get rid of it. I'm convinced that neither life nor death can separate me, separate me from, the, from Jesus Christ. My faith is unshakable, although my flesh gets weak sometimes and my knees get a little trembly. The faith is not weak. I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able. So, Paul, everybody say, Paul, deal with it. Now make it personal. I have to deal with it. And that's what faith is all about. So with this in mind, let's move another step. We know that there's natural laws and there's spiritual laws. There always has been and always will be. These laws govern all of creation, both spiritual and physical. All of creation follows these laws. These laws And these laws are beyond, Randy, these laws are beyond our feeling. What do you mean by that? Well, ask any officer in here. We've got a few, some pretend officers. You may feel that you have a right. I have a right. I'm a man. I have a right to get in my car and drive it the way I want to drive it. My engine's got 600 horsepower, and by God, I'm going to use it. I feel it. Here's the catch on that. You may feel it, but when the officer pulls you over, 
You can say, I felt it, and he's going to say, yeah, and I feel this too. Here's your ticket. I know a, a little lady the other day, I talked to her. She couldn't speak English real good, so she didn't know what she had done wrong. But she was driving, and she, she was alluding the police. didn't even know the police was after her because she didn't speak their language. Gave her a ticket for 700 bucks. You think the law is fair? She couldn't talk. $700. But she didn't feel like she was doing anything wrong. Feeling will mess you up. I came to church today and didn't feel nothing. I made a mistake of standing right here one day on a Wednesday night. Can't remember. I was going to pray for people. And I stood right here in my mind. I said, well, I certainly don't feel it tonight. That's what I said to myself. I use those words, Butch. I don't feel it tonight. And, God's, and I'm starting to take a step. And God says, excuse me. That's how God does me. I said, uh-oh. He said, are you saying that what you feel is, is contingent upon how I move and how I work with my people? He said, you made a big mistake. It's not about you. It's about me. And I said, Lord, forgive me. We had one of the greatest prayer services we ever had that night. And I didn't feel it. Has anybody else gone through something like that where you didn't feel it? Feeling can lie to you. It'll make you do things you shouldn't do and say things you shouldn't say and hear things you shouldn't be listening to. I mean, have, has anybody in here ever felt like I've, I've lost my salvation? You can't lose what you... <laughs> Once you are in Christ, you are in Christ Jesus. You are in him. You may be a, you may be a prodigal, but he's going to bring you back. Or he's going to give you great opportunity to be back. So if you've ever if you ever felt like you're, you you need to be born again again, well, you're wrong. That's how you felt. But I feel like you're wrong, bishop. That doesn't make you right. Let me say this. Whether you feel saved or not, or you don't feel saved, you feel saved or you don't feel saved. If you've acted on the word of God, you've confessed with your mouth and you've believed in your heart, he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You've done what the word of God said for you to do. Then hear me when I tell you, you are saved. You don't have to crawl on the floor. You don't have to beg. It's that easy. If you really believe that he is the Christ. I just happen to believe he really is the Christ. So what are you saying? You should not take your salvation as an issue of feeling, nor your faith. You shouldn't take your faith as a matter of feeling. I don't feel I've got it. It's not a matter of feeling. It is a law. So you have to understand as we move through this that the law that we have to look at first is, and grasp is the law of faith. It is a law. Just like the law, if you run that red light, the officer's going to pull you over and you say, well, I didn't feel like I needed to stop. It doesn't matter what you felt like. You had to stop. So this a law. Faith is a law. And once you understand that law, certain things fall in place. You say, well, I've never heard this before. Well, you have from me if you've listened to me over the years. The Bible clearly states that faith is a law. Romans 3.27 I've heard this before too. Well, keep listening. You're going to hear it more. Where is boasting then? Romans 3.27. Where is boasting then? 
In other words, what can we boast about doing to earn our salvation? I've earned my salvation. You can't do that. That's what he's saying. He said, it is excluded. You can't do that. By what law? What law says you can do that? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. That's how powerful the law of faith is. It clearly states that faith is a law. So we're saved on the basis of what Jesus has done and what he continues to do because of our faith in him. This is the law of faith. Now, in the Old Testament, it was something people had to do. It was an issue of works. That's Old Testament. Aren't you glad we're not in the Old Testament right now? It was outward, an outward show. They do certain things and you consider them to be righteous. And if they feel, fulfilled those outward things, then everybody applauded them. But when it came to the New Testament, after Christ Jesus gave his life, the period of the law is now ended. It's ended. The Mosaic law has been closed. And now the new covenant's in place. The New Testament is all led by and guided by the law of faith. Where the Old Testament was by the law of works, the New Testament is by the law of faith. Now, y'all have to read this and study it and understand how important this really is. Because today you can't do enough works to satisfy God. You can't. But by faith you can. The only way we were brought into the kingdom of God, I don't care who you are, we were brought into the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus was by our, to Him by faith. We enter into provisions that God has made for us and that He's completed in us. How does he complete it? By faith. So let me take it a little further. So under the old law, it was the law of works, but now it's what? Law of faith. That's why we have to understand this. And we have to live it out, work it out. I'm almost through. I'm really not. So we do now understand that law, that faith is truly a law. And it works in the new covenant. Faith is how God wants us to live because we're to live by faith. We're also to walk by faith. This is the lifestyle that God wants us to abide in. That's where he wants us to dwell. He wants us to live in this. So, in the Old Covenant, what did they do? They had a law, the law of works. But in the New Covenant, it's what? The law of faith. Righteousness is imputed to you when you confess the Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't have to work it out. He did it for you. It's the law of faith. Romans 3.31, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. What law is he establishing? If you read all that, what law is he establishing? It's certainly not the old covenant. Why would he establish that? That has ended. He is talking about the law of faith. He is establishing the law of faith. Where do you find this? Romans 8, Romans 8, 1 through 8. Here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What kind of condemnation? Who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That's the law of faith. For what the law could not do, talking about the old covenant, 
in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are in the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are in the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is what? An enemy against God. Enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh sometimes can please God. Oh, is that not what it says? Cannot please God. The carnal mind cannot operate in the law of God. It cannot operate in the law of faith. It just can't do it. Faith, again, let me reiterate, is in fact a law that has a process and principles. It's just like gravity. Heard this before. And remind you. How many people believe that the law of gravity works? If you don't believe that, it doesn't matter if you don't feel like it works. If I jump off this platform, I'm not going to go up. I'm going to go down. I mean, I know there are people that got high on acid. That's LSD. And felt like they could fly. Look, I can fly. And they did fly for a moment. And then they hit the ground. I mean, that's the truth. That's what they were doing. They were hallucinating. They felt they could fly. But, Kenny, they couldn't fly. You may not believe in it, but the law of gravity works. It always has. There's other laws I can mention. Let me just mention a few here. The laws of thermodynamics. That's a law. The electrostatic laws. It's a law. The law of physics. You may not believe that if I stand here with a bow and arrow and point it at you and fire it at you, that it's going to do any damage. But let me tell you, when the law of physics takes over, you're going to go down. You may not feel it, but it's going to happen. You see, all those laws that I mentioned in the realm of relativity, in the realm of relativity and, quant and the quantum mechanics, Scientists have found that these laws still apply. Are y'all hearing me? These laws still apply. Although there's got to be some refinement in interpretation, it still applies. That's something we need to hear. We think, well, I don't feel like it works. Believe me, it works. So just like God's law, I'm going to end here. So just like God's law of gravity works, and it works all the time, Likewise, the law of faith works, and guess what? It works all the time.